The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you and to sing about God's grace this morning. I want to give you time that if you're worshiping together as a family, we have placed on our website a devotional guide. Actually, it's a weekly devotional guide that you as parents, we're encouraging you to use these with your kids either during uh, the service broadcast or during the week. There's some great starter conversation questions that are there. And moms and dads, we, uh, we really encourage you to take this opportunity that you have to have an impact into your kids' lives, to make disciples of your kids. That is your first uh, priority in, in your family is to make uh, your children followers of Christ or allow uh, God to work in them to become followers of Christ. And so we encourage you to do that. The last several weeks we have been looking at the nature and character of God and some of His characteristics. And I had stated that I don't think there's a better time to look at who God is than in the current situation that we are facing right now. We started with looking at the greatness of God, and then we saw the love of God. And we, we looked at the holiness of God. Last week, we talked about the mercies of God. And this week, we're going to talk about the grace of God. And uh, it, from, from our perspective, the mercy and the grace of God meet us as two separate things. But, but in God, really, they are one. He is merciful and He is gracious. Last week, we looked in Exodus chapter 34 where God declared to Moses His name as He showed Him His glory. And He passed by Moses and He declared self-declaration of who He is, the Lord, the Lord, a God that is merciful and gracious. And so this morning, we want to look at the grace of God, and we pray, God, that right now as we open Your Word to see Your grace God, that you would, by the Holy Spirit of God, work in our hearts, Lord, not only to to recognize and see you as a gracious God, but God, by your grace, continue to transform us, God, conform us to the likeness of Christ. And Lord, the only way that that can take place is by us resting, walking in your grace, God, and not in our own works. And so, Lord, we pray the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As I stated earlier, mercy and grace uh, are, are one. God is is both merciful and gracious. But His grace meets us as human beings, fallen, separated from Him because of our sin. His grace meets us where His mercy seems to uh, not end, but, but take a stall. Let me explain to you this way. Remember last week I used the illustration of the Utah Highway Patrolman that had pulled me over because I was going excessively over the speed limit. And he had compassion on me and my situation, and he extended mercy to me by not writing me a ticket or uh, for the speed that I was going, or in, in, according to the law, he could have easily taken me to jail. Instead, he wrote that ticket at a lower speed amount so that I would just be given a citation with a fine. He extended mercy to me. 
Now, had he extended grace to me, he not only would have written the ticket for a lower speed limit, but he would have given me the money to pay the citation that I owed to the state of Utah. You see, that's the difference between mercy and grace. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve, and somebody has explained it, that grace is God extending to us, giving to us what we do not deserve. Uh, not giving us what we deserve, but extending to us what we do not deserve. As mercy is God's compassion, confronting human misery, and and the debt that, that we owe, the guilt that we rest in, grace is His goodness, His goodness directed towards us through the person of Christ. You see, it's mercy that God withholds His judgment. And it's with grace that in the meantime, He provides a provision to pay the debt that you and I owe. That's His grace. Grace was a, a, a huge thing to the Apostle Paul. Paul, by, by all rights, deserved God's, uh, God's great judgment and wrath against him. If you're familiar with the, the life of Paul, you know that in the early days uh, of the birth of the church, Paul was one who went around persecuting believers, killing believers, and putting them into prison as a Pharisee. But it was on the road to Damascus that the risen Christ met him, and Jesus' words to Paul were, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Paul saw the risen Christ, and the guilt of his sin had, had resonated in his heart and his mind at that point, and he experienced the grace of God where he deserved the wrath and the judgment of God, and he saw in Christ God's provision for his sin, and Paul became a Christ follower We're very familiar that Paul wrote most of the content of the New Testament. And I think I've shared this with you before, but I love the way that Paul expresses the grace of God in each of his letters that he writes that we have recorded in the New Testament. And so I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles or your iPhone, but I think you'll do it faster with your Bible if you're able to do it, and turn to that that letter, the last one that's in the list of letters by the Apostle Paul in our New Testament, and look at the little letter, the short letter of Philemon. And what I want us to notice is that in every one of Paul's letters, he begins his letter expressing the grace of God to his readers and expressing the grace of God to us, and he ends each of his letters, again, expressing the grace of God. And we're going to let our fingers do the walking through our Bibles this morning. And in the letter of Philemon, and I'm going to start from the very last grace salutation in verse 25. He says, he closes this letter, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. He's opened the letter in verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The letter preceding that, the letter, letter of Titus, he ends it with grace be with you all. And he begins the letter in verse 4 with grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Uh, 
In 2 Timothy, he closes the letter with grace be with you. And he opens the letter in verse 2 with grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. In 1 Timothy, he closes that letter with grace be with you. And he opens the letter with grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. In 2 Thessalonians, he ends that letter with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And in verse 2, he opens the letter, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians, he concludes it in verse 28, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And he opens the letter in verse 1 with grace to you and peace. The book of Colossians, he closes it with grace be with you. He opens the letter, grace to you and peace from God our Father. In Philippians, he concludes the letter with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And he opens the letter, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians, he closes his letter with grace be with you all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. He opens opens the letter with grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Galatians, he ends it in verse 18 of chapter 6, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. And he opens the letter with grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians, he closes that letter with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with you. And he opens that letter with grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians, he closes the letter, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. And he opens that letter in the first chapter with grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Magna Carta of the Christian faith, the book of Romans, he closes it with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, and he opens that letter in chapter 1 and verse 7, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you just love that? You see, in Paul's mind, everything began, everything begins, and everything ends with the grace of God. Your life as a Christ follower, my life as a Christ follower, began with the grace of God. And and we see that apart from the grace of God and our life beginning the Christian life, by the way, we were not born Christian. You may have been born in a Christian nation, but the Bible teaches us that that every single one of us are born sinners, separated from God because of our inherited sin from our forefather Adam. And so we're born in that condition of sin, separated from God. And the wages of sin, the Bible says, is death, separation from God, eternal separation. And there was no way that any of you, you or I, could have ever changed that condition. But God, in His grace, made a way that you and I could have relationship with Him. And it was through the shed blood of Christ. And when you and I have trusted what Christ has done on our behalf and receiving that free gift, that grace gift that God has done towards us, we immediately are transformed into the likeness of His Son, Jesus, spiritually. 
Now, we grow in that, and it requires grace that we grow in that, but our starting place, according to the, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 2, he says this, or actually he starts in verse 1 of chapter 2, where he states again that you were dead in trespasses and sin in which you once walked. We were all dead, separated from God because of our trespasses and sin. And then in the last part of verse 5, he says, by grace you have been saved. Then he repeats that phrase in verse nine, verse 8 where he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. That it's God's grace, His free gift of salvation through Christ that we have trusted, we've placed our faith in. That is what has saved us. He goes on to say, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. I'm sure this morning that there are some that are, that are watching the service today, that for years maybe you have, you have adopted the way of Christianity Maybe you have adopted the, the way of the church, of, of meeting together corporately and being together at certain times as the church, but you are still lost in your sins because you think it's by those works that you do, it's by the rituals that you participate in, that you have found favor in God's eyes. But can I tell you this, that according to the Scriptures, that until you place your trust in Christ and you do not try to rely on your own works, you are lost and still dead in your trespasses and sin. It's only by God's grace that Paul says that, that we are saved, not a result of our works. Now, not only do we start, we begin the Christian life by God's grace, but it's very important, as Pastor Jeff prayed in our opening time, that, that we not only receive His grace at salvation, but we depend desperately on His grace in the Christian life as a disciple, as a follower of Christ. So the Christian life begins with grace, and it continues in grace. There's not a day that you and I awake that we do not need and have to rely on heavily the grace of God to conform us to the likeness of Christ. The Apostle Peter wrote in his second letter this, in chapter 3, verse 18. He says, exhorting these believers, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. And so he tells us to grow. Now, that's not, the word there is not to grow to a limit, but it's to continue to grow as if you and I physically were growing our entire life. Some of us are growing our entire life, and COVID-19 has not helped us out in that situation. But that's not the kind of grow that he's talking about, that we reach a limit of growth. But it's continually while we're on this earth, living as a Christ follower, that we depend desperately on God's grace to grow us and to mature us in everything that we do 
depends on the graces of God. Somebody put it this way, that the grace of God does not stop at the foot of the cross when you and I trust Him. But the grace of God has to, must continue, and does continue throughout our entire life to the very end, as Peter states here in the last part of that verse, to Him be the glory both now and to the end of all eternity. So not only do we start the Christian life by grace, we live the Christian life by grace, and by God's grace, He will fulfill the promise that we will be with Him for all of eternity, basking in His glory. So the Christian life starts with grace, the Christian life continues in grace, and the grace of God will carry us into all of eternity. Somebody said this in answer to the question, what makes grace, grace? And someone gave a good answer, and I can't remember who who gave this answer to that question. What makes grace, grace? And their answer was very simple, but, but extremely complex as well. The answer was, because it is from God, and it's freely given. What makes grace, grace, is that it is from God, who in His very nature and character is gracious, and He gives it freely. Oh, He gives it to us freely, but it cost Him a great price, where His Son Jesus would take our sins on Him on the cross, and on Him the wrath of God would be poured out, a wrath that you and I deserved. We didn't get what we deserve, but instead it was poured out on Christ. And when we've trusted what Christ has done for us, then we receive that gift that is free to us, but costs the Father and the Son a great deal. You see, I've learned in my, in my Christian life, I say I've learned, I just lied. I've learned cognitively, but I'm still learning as I walk out in my Christian life that, that I need to be confident in the grace of God towards me. You need to be confident of the grace of God towards you. Because let me tell you how it works. You and I daily, either we make conscious choices to refuse God or to disobey God, or subconsciously, whether we, whether we don't make the choice, we just do. And, and what happens is when you and I sin, when, when we fall short of what we know that, that God's requirements would be, we revert back into that works mentality where we have the idea that I have failed and now I've got to try to do something to make up for my failure. Can I tell you this? There's nothing that any of us could ever do to make up for our failures. We have to solely rest on the grace of God continually. And it's by staying in that place of the grace of God, we can therefore, as Jeff read in Hebrews, we can approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and help in our time of need. You see, a works mentality keeps me from approaching the throne of grace. And I can do it myself mentality keeps me from approaching the throne of grace. A, oh, God, I made a vow to you that I never would or I, I always would, and I've, I've broken that. I've fallen to that. Listen, grace is what allows you and I to come to the throne of grace to receive God's mercy, His compassion, and His love. 
We've got to be confident in His grace. We've got to bank on His grace. That the only thing that's going to bring a return is the grace of God in our lives. We've got to trust in His grace. We've got to be satisfied in His grace. I don't know if there's any other way that I can express it or say it, but let me just say this way. Everything in our lives depends on the grace of God. Everything. Now, here's, here's, here's kind of the catch to it. Because for the believer, God has extended and does extend His grace towards us. And we know that God desires that, that, and He is working in our lives through good and through bad, through good people and bad people. Maybe it's the chisel in God's hand that He's using to conform us to the likeness of Christ. But He is conforming us to not only walk in His grace, but to also be able to express His grace to others. You see, Until we apply the grace of God in our own lives, walk in the grace of God in our own lives, then we will not be enabled to extend that grace to others. And His desire is not only that we walk in His grace, but as the body of Christ, He wants us to display His grace to others through our lives. That's part of the mission of our church that we would display the grace of God to all people. And that all means all people. You remember the little song you sang as a child when you were in church growing up? Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world, except 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. You see, in our lives daily, God has called us to display His grace to all people. And and that not only extends beyond an ethnicity or a race, but it, it, it extends to those who might be of a red persuasion when you are of a blue persuasion in the arena of politics. It extends to those who might be from a different culture than you are. God wants to so transform us to the likeness of Christ and in the body of Christ that we don't allow the world to separate us, but that we extend His grace to all people regardless in response that we recognize that God has extended His grace to us, and who are we to withhold that grace to others? Listen, just as Paul recognized that he deserved the just punishment, wrath of a holy God, you and I both, all of us deserve God's wrath and His punishment and His judgment. But in His grace, He has extended to us His goodness and His favor and His salvation. Who am I? to say another one does not deserve to receive the grace of God. Who are you to think that another does not deserve the grace of God? When he could extend it to you and to me, he can extend it to all of us. May God change us so that we would certainly be a people who extend the grace of God. Let me ask two questions of you this morning in closing. Have you experienced the grace of God at the beginning place? 
Have you recognized that you justly deserve the wrath and the punishment of God for your sins? And if you trusted what God has provided for you through His Son, Jesus, and trusted His shed blood for the forgiveness of your sin, to remove that barrier that separates you from a holy God, if you have not yet trusted Him this morning, right where you are, I just want you to pray out, God, I want to trust what Jesus has done for me, and I receive today what He's done for me. Now save me, O God. Maybe you are a Christ follower, but, but you somehow think that grace has ceased at the foot of the cross. My encouragement to you this morning is to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you open my heart and my eyes to your grace every day? And may I, like Peter exhorted me to, that I would grow in the grace and the knowledge of God on a daily basis. The second question I want to ask you this morning, number one was, have you received His grace and are you walking in His grace? But the second question is this, who in your life today is it that God wants to use you to extend His grace to? Is it a husband? Is it a wife? Is it a son? Is it a daughter? Is it a son-in-law or a daughter-in-law? Who is it that God wants you to extend His grace to? No, they may not deserve it. But let me remind us, we don't deserve it either. Pray and ask God to give you the heart of mercy that you might extend His grace to them. Grace, grace. God's grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. And we say amen to God's grace. In closing this morning, I want to make you aware of a couple of things as the worship team comes just to sing this blessing over the body uh, today. I want to remind you that daily at 8 a.m. we do devotions through the, through the books of Psalm. And 8 a.m., you can catch it live on Facebook or later on the YouTube or through our website. But, but join me every morning through this if you have the availability to 8 a.m. as we continually daily uh, go in the Psalms and pray through the Psalms and see God through the Psalms. And then lastly, uh, we announced this past Monday that June the 14th, we will begin opening corporate worship on a limited social distancing basis, etc. that will be June 14th. 14th. We will live stream at the same time. There is a new time for that so we can accommodate the live stream and all that happens, and that's going to be 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. So uh, make sure we're going to remind you over and over 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Following this live feed of the service this morning, uh, we will repost again that video announcement that talks about our opening on June the 14th. Uh, we want to encourage you to look at that or go to our website and you can find it there or our YouTube channel and find it there. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.